one heart, one player through the hole, one goal from the start. To dominate the art of the black and blue and watch your Super Bowl dreams till they all come true. I want you to think about all those mean people. They're going to be your tackling fuel. Tackling fuel. I used to be able to throw a pigskin for a mile. I'm going to execute a button hook pattern super slow mile. You playing the foosball behind my back? How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountains? What do you know? Your little footballs. <laughs> Laces out. Debut episode, first of its kind. We're talking fantasy football with an exclusive league here. I'm your host. Co-commish, Sam Schwartz, along with Pat, Pat Crosby, former league loser, former league playoff maker, but then losing in the first rounder. Sam, I'm just so glad to be here. Let's do it, man. We had to get the reigning biggest loser on because you know you had to you had to show up on draft night. You have to show up on draft night in a, a certain attire. We'll get to all that, but um, what ex- what's exciting you most about this year, Pat? We're we're back. We've got a podcast this year. We've we've missed a lot. We have missed a lot. I think before I get into the upcoming league year, I think it's important to to celebrate a couple milestones uh, that some of our league mates have hit. First and foremost, congrats to Slats on uh, your your wedding with uh, the former Rachel Kirsch, now Rachel Slattery. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony. Glad to be there. Other major life events. Uh, Brody Green moved on to Baldwin Street. Looking forward to, to some football Sundays with Brody Green. Uh, in other moving news, Alan Spencer moved out West Coast, uh, hanging out with former, or I guess current reigning champion, Alex Pavis, who was busy with his winnings, going to CarMax and buying a seven-year-old Audi A6. Um, in addition to the league winnings, he also used PPP funds to fund that. So really, uh, you know, you can't have your league winner driving a hoopty out there. So really excited, uh, that Pavis was able to find something good to spend, um, his money on. So I think I know there are a couple birthdays, uh, mixed in. We won't really go through all of those. I think those are all the, the major updates, Sam, unless I miss anything that you, that you can think of. No, man. I mean, we're, uh, we're recording in the Baldwin lounge right now. So special shout out to fellow league members nevin and q for the background noise they might join momentarily certainly want to get everyone on throughout the season uh you guys were all in cabo for slats's wedding slats and rachel and pat you were doing a great job reviewing things so we might have to get that going this season as well yeah we might have to start reviewing uh things and great point about cabo you know i i left with fond memories uh, Nevin Clay actually left with more than fond memories with a potential girlfriend, but we'll get into that with, with Nevin when he makes his debut appearance on the pod. We'll, we'll talk about the Matifa situation. Big girlfriend guy, big girlfriend guy. Well, the the big winner of that wedding obviously was Slats. He made a, a big, big splash before the draft, but he does have the number one pick. Let's run through the keepers, shall we, of this, of this amazing, amazing league. So we got Slats. Darren Waller, sixth round pick from last year he's keeping myself keeping stefan diggs in the fifth brahms justin jefferson in the 12th brody's keeping deandre hopkins in the second algin keeping keeping aaron jones in the second doug josh allen in, in the 11th as our draft board continues to tumble nevin keeping robbie anderson in the 14th pappas calvin ridley in the fourth ryan miles gaskin in the 16th Tyreek Hill going to Eric once again, second round keeper, and Q keeping DK in the fifth. Pat, you drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall last year. You're going to keep him and have the 12th pick in this year's draft. How are you feeling about those keepers? Yeah, I guess we can we can start with the keepers. Let, you ran through them uh, chronologically. We'll go, as Nevin said earlier, reverse chronological order. Um, 
you know, keeping McCaffrey, you know, consensus number one pick, you know, as as everyone's heard the term, a true bell cow, three down back. You know, obviously you hear McCaffrey first round, you're saying, you know, first round, you know, that's that's his ADP, you know, not great value. But when you're thinking about keeping someone that's a stud and you get him at the last pick in the first round, I think that's uh, that's a great value. And you know, obviously there was there was no other choice, Sam, with the way that my my team got injured and failed me last year. It really just felt like a run it back CMC year. And uh let's let's all pray for young Christian and the Christian mingles this year. It all comes down to injuries, but feeling pretty good at this point. What are we looking Maybe at? Maybe let's for... go back to let's go to Q uh sitting next to me. DK Metcalf in the fifth round. Consensus, likely a you know, a second round keeper. Um great value there. Did was there anyone else you were thinking about keeping Q or this or is was it a no brainer? This is Commissioner Q making his debut on this year's really, podcast. I really appreciate you guys having me on here. Um glad to be here it's it's really an honor i feel i feel blessed um patrick thanks for the question really good question uh overall i think i was about week three that i knew i was going to keep dk however you cannot show your cards uh my great great grandfather taught me that back in the homeland of albania and great albanian poker player yep scanner bag look him up he's they called him the albanian viper um and it's stuck really so yeah, week four, I, I kind of knew I was keeping DK. You never, you know, you never tell anyone, right? So especially that that snake Ryan, that slithery little snake, snake, um, and also one of the most heartfelt. This is in a heartfelt way. One of the most annoying people in the league, but my division mate, and uh, you know, looking forward to beating his ass in week one. Well said. I think. Boney, that that snake, you know, the, the the ultimate trash talker in this league, former champion, just one time. Uh, we're gonna have to toss it to him to to make some predictions for that first round. We got slats, me. We'll let him. We'll let him tell you. We can all agree. We can all agree. Two. Sam is gonna go down. I'm sorry, Sam. And I can just tell from the way you're speaking. Three. Ross <laughs> should go Zeke here, but he won't. He's gonna go Derrick Henry. Brody is gonna go Zeke. This is where it starts to get a little tricky. What do you think? Al. In particular. Where's Al? What mental Alan takes a pretzel? Alan takes a pull into and come over. I think Alan takes Devontae Adams at yeah. Oh, well. That's my my call. That is my call. That's my personal call. Alright. Oh. Uh, going on to Doug. Now, Doug, who's he? Yeah. Oh my god. Doug's a wild card. Doug's I know, a wild card. I, know. Um, I don't think that's a bad point. He's alright. So, what running backs are left on the He'll take Eckler at six. Ooh, Eckler. Or Joe Mixon, or it's just someone like. Now, there's there's higher rated running backs still on the board, though. There's. So now that we've heard Ryan's predictions, I think this is a great time to pick apart his keeper choice. You know, I, w- without the benefit of looking at his team last year, you see a keeper, Miles Gaskin, that doesn't really have that that oomph. You know what I mean? It doesn't, ha- doesn't really jump off the page to you. Uh, kind of feels like Boney's taking just a, a hard reset year, right? Taking, you know, like a, a mid, mid-round guy in the last round and being able to, you know, build his team out the way he wants. And I just... I don't know. Miles Gaskin, you're really going to keep a guy that's not going to start week one. Just seems, uh, seems like there was, it left leaves more, more to be wanted there for sure. I don't know your thoughts on that. Sam. Yeah. I think he's digging for value, you know, 16th round keeper Gaskin. He's got a running back. You could tell by what he said pre-draft there. He really wants Eckler to, to round out that, that RB one RB two position. And then, you know, maybe he goes RB RB2 again in the, the the second round. I think he's just going for value, but, you know, Miles Gaskin is very, very vanilla. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and in terms of value, I mean, this year, definitely the theme is wide receiver in terms of keeper, very wide receiver heavy. I mean, in the draft that we're, that we're looking at here, weren't really many top flight wide receivers available. I mean, you got guys like Jefferson and you with Diggs, uh, Hopkins and Tyreek Hill all kept in, in the second and even greater value with, with Mike, with Jefferson. I think he was like the 12th round. Um, so it, it seems like this was the year. I know Alex Key always says it flips every year. This was the year to keep wide receivers. Um, looking at this board, it's, you know, wh- which one of these running backs next year are going are to be kept 
uh, for value. It seems like it flips and flops every year. Yeah, it's a good point. Of the 12 teams in this league, three decided to keep running backs. That's a small margin, but as you said, the turnover, you can only keep a guy one year, then he then he's back available in the draft. So we got a juicy, juicy top of the, the draft board here in the first round, and mm-hmm. this is how it went down. Welcome to the 2021 Masco's Finest Fantasy Football Draft. Minus Brody, who has the fourth overall pick. As of now. Like to welcome in special guests, Eric Ramirez, Alan Spencer from afar. I see you. Hopefully you can see us. We had Alfredo's. Appreciate Alfredo's for sponsoring. Yeah. And everybody's getting impatient, so I'm going to pass it over to my co-host, who is... Currently wearing a dress. Would you like to explain that, Mr. Pat Crowley? I think the one word I keep thinking back to is hope. Last year, I drafted 16 draft choices, which all failed me in one way or the other. Not any way out of my own incompetence. And I'm hopeful that I can find 16 other draft choices that will inevitably fail me this year as well. So I'd like to pass it over to last year's victor, Alex Pavis. His first ever ring. Very exciting. Thank, thank you, thank you. Um, as the, <laughs> I mean, as the funniest member of the group, it's really tough to uh, to top that. Um, but uh, love you guys. Glad I could be here in person this year. Uh, I am a glue guy, and I'm going to prove that by winning the league for a second time in a row. Um, glitter guy Ryan's just gonna yeah, you're gonna be jealous of my team all year long. Uh, love the squad, and happy to be here in person. Here you go, Sammy. Without further ado, the first overall pick is already on the board. Dalvin Cook to Mr. Slattery. Slats, come on down. We'd like a word. We'd like a word. When going through my considerations for this first overall pick this year, I gave it a lot of thought. Um, You know, and after, after, you know, ruminating on it for months, I decided to uh, Google um, number one pick in uh, fantasy football, and as uh, as Christian McCaffrey was already taken as a, by a keeper, um, I decided to go with the number two overall pick, Dalvin Cook, um, and we'll see how it plays out for me. Thank you, Slats. Thank you, Slats. All right, we've officially begun. I need to make a pick. So, Sam, you after Slats's pick, he takes Cook. I know. You had sat there for for months, or actually only weeks, because we didn't really know you were going to pick second until recently but it felt must have felt like an eternity oh i knew and what were you thinking did you think that slats was going to take camara number one and and if that was if that was the case had cook been available for number two were you prepared to go with derrick henry number two or or would you have have taken cook because i know you've had some strong thoughts about uh dalvin cook this year well pat i'll flash you back to november of last year i guess december once again, the regular season in our glorious fantasy football league ends, and I am once again on the outside looking in, but a dominant consolation ladder player. And in our league, we have a great, great playoff postseason design. So the top four make the postseason. The rest vie for the consolation. But if you score the most points in the consolation, that is what really matters I came close. Slats barely edged me out for that ca- consolation points leader. I was second, which means I knew I was taking that second overall pick. You have the second. Pat Slats was given the, the first choice of draft pick, one through 12. I, the second. I figured he would go one. That means I'm two. I knew Kamara and Henry were on the board. So I said, all right, I'm getting one of those two. Slats probably takes Kamara based on him helping Pappas get the championship last year. And, and I, I get Derek Henry. Perfect bell cow phrase that you you just coined on this podcast mm-hmm. no one's ever heard that before and I, I appreciate you bringing that on here so that was my initial thought flash forward to now i'm doing my research i say holy shit christian mccaffrey is available in this league no way pat who took him first overall last year is going to keep him pat ends up keeping him exactly so that means number two overall is probably going number one overall in our league that was looking to be Dalvin Cook, and I was kind of hoping that you got a 17 game season. I don't want to stay. I don't want injury prone Dalvin Cook on my team. I want Kamara. I want that guy, number one fantasy running back for for a couple of years running. And 
Slats, as he said, did his research, his Googling, and, and I was more than happy to get Kamara. But I would have been okay with Henry, I think, too. It's just you're not going to get 2,000 yards from that guy again. Yeah, and and did was the pine cone hair for Derrick Henry ever a consideration for you? I know how much you love his his pine cone shaped. Um, I do. The uh, hair, I, I I know that that must have been really tough for you. So, you're really excited to see what Alan Alan Kamara is going to do for uh, your team this year. The Jadinklage Morgoons. I think the pine cone. It's it's just an oxymoron, right? I mean, he. That's a guy that never plays like shit, but he 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 looks like shit. It looks like he's taking the shit out of his helmet. But Mike drafted him. We'll hear from Mike. Brody didn't pick up. We got Derrick Henry third overall, and the uh, the owner of, of Derrick Henry is gonna come over and say a few words. So Sam and I were going on uh, back and forth on the golf course all day, uh, wondering what Slats was gonna do at number one. And since Sam had two and I had three. You know, he mentioned who he wanted, which was Kamara, but he was afraid Slats was going to make that pick. So he was wavering between Dalvin Cook and Henry, and the whole time I knew I wanted that workhorse in Tennessee. Let's fucking go. You said I'll be there in 10 minutes. Goodbye. You did not you couldn't, you couldn't get a pick while you were home. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably the least shocking thing of the night aside from Allen ordering Chipotle while drafting, and, and I know we'll, we'll get to that, was, you know, Brody Green in, in the four hole, really, you know, technically the five hole with, you know, the whole Christian McCaffrey situation, taking uh, a player from kind of a lesser known uh, collegiate, you know, school and background, not really one of the, you know, the, the powerhouse colleges here. And I'm obviously talking about Ezekiel Elliott from, one of the smaller schools in Ohio called Ohio State, obviously overshadowed by Miami University, Cincinnati, and Ohio University. But, um, you, know, you know, decent school. Um, you know, obviously Brody growing up, his entire family went to Ohio State. So it's just kind of a, a legacy, uh, you know, fan base there. So um, really no surprise that Brody took, took Zeke, um, you know, those abs. You know, I know Ryan wanted those, but. Um, what, what were your thoughts on on Brody's pick? I mean, I just I know how much he he likes that state school in Ohio, so not really shocking to me. Yeah, Brody didn't go there. No, he went there, right? He, Ohio he, State. He, he played. Didn't he play football with Zeke? Or is yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, Boney was really trying to sell Zeke to me. That's that's been Boney's property for as long as Ezekiel Elliott has been in the NFL and eligible for fantasy football. And I, I didn't want him, you know, I, that's, that's a, I think he went the spot that he was ranked fourth and Boney was terrified of Brody picking Zeke, but you got to hand it to Boney. He switched the first two picks in his predictions that you heard earlier. He got Derrick Henry, then Zeke. Correct. Allen takes number, takes Devonte Adams fifth overall. First Boney, wide receiver off the board. First wide receiver off the board. Are you surprised by, by that? Yeah, kind of a, a questionable move. I mean, I mean we'll get to Burmy at, at the tenth spot. It was stacking a, a running back and wide receiver from you know the same team. It, it's kind of I guess live by the sword, die by the sword. You know, Allen, just a classic case of overthinking things. I mean, I know he had a lot going on with his you know, auction draft, and uh, I just don't think he was really locked in with this one, right? I mean, it just really, it's just kind of a, a questionable choice by Algin and. Uh, we'll get to the whole roster breakdown, but just really some question marks all around, and and uh, you know just you know stacking two position players from the same team never a great idea. Um, you know, for a team like the Bengals, like yeah, maybe you'd want to do that, but for the Packers, and not really a, a prolific offense, a lot of question marks at quarterback there. I just don't think that's something that, that is going to work out for them. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, the the two Packers. I mean, Devontae was the best receiver on the board, as we talked about. A lot of a lot of keepers were uh, were receivers. Then we have Boney's predictions go a little awry here. Saquon goes to Doug at six overall. Nevin takes Jonathan Taylor, who was really it, it, slept you on. You said Saquon. Is that is that the guy that Alex Pappas knows? I'm trying to think. Yes the uh, the uh, the look of dismay on Pabst's face during this draft when he realized he was not getting Saquon Barkley, who I believe is his best friend now. Yeah. Is that, the guy, is that the guy that, that, that he, like who had the rug that Pappas puked on? 
Is that is that who Saquon is? I, I I mean, a lot of these guys are well-known names: Elliot, Chubb, Eckler. But Saquon, I know he's not a, a premier player, and you know, definitely not anything you'd want to do like a documentary or some like any media on. But um, is, is that why he is that why he picked? It? Did, did did Pappas hype him up to to Doug? Is that why he picked him? It's possible. It's possible. If only there was some way we could kind of get like a glimpse into Saquon Barkley's life, like. You know, some sort of like docu series or something like that. I think that would be pretty, pretty cool. That'd be sick. I yeah. think I would watch that. Yeah. It all, yeah. It, yeah, it all depends on who films it. Like, you know, I know Pappas yeah. does a little bit with film, but uh, I've been on record saying I don't really believe in his, his, you know, <laughs> filming and, and managerial and directing talent. So um, maybe someone else could, could kind of film that and it would be really good. Yeah. We'll see if he can make the cut. Chubb falls to Pappas at eight. All right, Boney. You got the first two picks wrong already. How are you feeling about the rest of your predictions? I'm feeling confident about the rest of my predictions. I just hope that Austin Eckler is still there when I'm on the board. Boney gets his guy, Eckler, who he thought would fall to Pappas. He ended up falling to him. He now has a little tweaked hamstring. So uh, we'll see how that Gaskin-Eckler combo goes for the one-time champion, Ryan Bonifant. Say what you want about him. You know, annoying, um, skinny, a lot of adjectives you could use about Ryan. But, you know, the one thing he does is his team always plays hard for him. You know, and he always avoids injury. You know, he's annoying in a personal sense, as Q described. I I like you, Ryan. Um, But his fantasy teams are annoying in a, you know, they're always good sense. So um, when when everyone zigs, Boney zags. And he seems to have had success and his sole league championship that he has and you know obviously he has the the pedigree so um yeah bad hammy for eckler i don't don't know i mean full ppr i i can see it half ppr small ppr (laughs) question marks abound you touch you (laughs) (laughs) you alluded to the eric bermudez pick at 10th overall travis kelsey some may say he slipped Bermuda's already had Tyreek, so anywhere the ball goes from Patrick Mahomes elsewhere is pretty much going to Eric Bermuda's fantasy team. Any points Bermuda's doesn't score, Alex gets with Clyde edwards Elaire, which is a great segue into the next pick when Q took the player that I wanted in the draft spot ahead of me, Najini Harris, as we were watching Harry Potter during the draft, and Nagini was on the screen. Crazy. Kind of annoying pick, Q. There's been speculation. Will you go on record saying that you only took him because you heard that I wanted him? Are you are you willing to commit to to that take, or is he someone that you really wanted? Yeah. So listen, Pat. Another great, really great question. What I'd say is when you when you live maybe three feet from someone, you ask them a couple questions here or there. You know, trying to figure out the way they think. You know how they how they tie their shoes, which hand they jerk off with. You try to figure these out about a person, about a roommate. Left shoe first, right hand. Nice. Thanks. And really? Interesting. I'm going to give myself a stranger. Stranger danger. Anyways, back to, back to the question at hand. You just screamed Najee, but didn't say it out loud. And, and so I knew you wanted him. There's no way I was going to give you CMC and, and Najee. I, I couldn't forgive myself, so I had okay. to I'd take him. But was it a reverse, double reverse jinx head game Jedi mind trick I played on you? Do I think Najee sucks behind the Bad Steelers offensive line with a lot of receiving yeah. weapons. Yeah, that's, that's and, and a declining Ben Roethlisberger. It's a wonderful fantasy to think about. I'd say you're so much this more is fantasy a, we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. That's why I said it. This is more of of you being you know more reactive here. You know that's a great idea in sense. But proactive. I, I don't think you're doing that in the moment. No. And my moment came, and my man Najee was gone, and I, I was prepared to take my second option. Which was Joe Mixon, uh, one of a litany of Bengals uh, backs and receivers and former Bengals backs that I have on my team. Now, obviously, going to school at a, a bigger uh, school in Ohio than than Zeke Elliott School, Miami University. Um, you know, I just had to take. I had to get my. I had to get my shares of that prolific Bengals offense. Uh, that's what I did. You know, Sam, this is your moment to rip me apart for Joe Mixon, a guy that. Uh, You've had some history with, for worse and for even worse. Uh, any any reaction to me taking Joe Mixon in the 
Second round, 13th overall. Well, in our snake draft, that pick was not coming back to me until the second to last pick in the second round. I was hopeful that Joe may fall and you quickly put that to rest. I was hopeful that maybe Najee, but obviously that was not not going to happen when I knew you were going to lock that in if Q didn't. So, uh, yeah, I was open to a reunion with Joe Mixon, who fucked me last year. And like yourself, Patrick, I got riddled with injuries. Yeah. And I like it. We kind of make made a little trade, right? Joe Mixon was my first round pick last year, played in a very limited capacity against a horrible offensive line. I also had Dak Prescott, whose leg was on backwards during a game. It, it, it was just a cramp, though, right? Yeah, I think I think somebody said that. Tony, was that Tony who thought it was a cramp? Yeah, I think I think Aikman. Troy. Yeah, it was just a cramp. Yeah, got to watch out for those Cowboys guys. So then. I saw you do that, right? I was like, "All right, you yeah. have your fun, and and I'll I'll do you a liberty and take George Kittle, who who hurt you last year. No pun intended. Exactly. Misery loves company, right? If, if I can't see the players that fuck me over on my team, I'd like to see them either succeed or fuck my friends over on their teams. And uh, I'm glad we made that little um, swap of of Kittle and Mixon. And we're not, yeah, and proverbial swap, right? I took Kittle in the third round. You took Mixon in the in the second no trades it's there like, but it's a closed loop it's a closed loop it's a closed loop um but uh but yeah hopefully that hopefully you have the healthiest of seasons sir we are not division rivals we're just friends uh nevin has not joined the podcast yet because he is my division rival so we're not talking at the moment but yeah. pat we can't go through every pick here where did you well, see well, let's sum it up who won the first round <laughs> i think that's an important question does Boney did Boney win the first round because he got his guy? I mean, I think it's you keeping McCaffrey, but That's if we're true. going non keeper, I like I like Chubb at eight slipping to Pappas. I really do. Yeah, that's a good pick. I think. Any anytime you read rankings and it's like PPR, they're like, "Oh, Chubb doesn't catch passes." Well, he runs for fourteen hundred yards, so you know there's one hundred and forty points there. He Another bell cow, six touchdowns, and there's thirty six points there. You add that up, Alex. 140 plus 30, 176, 176 points right there. That's his floor. So think about it. Thought about it. Did the numbers. Pat, where'd you see the best value in this entire 16 round draft? Um, other than Bermuda's taking Cole Komet in the 16th round, um, you know, I think the pick that I really, really like the most, and I haven't thought about this yet, so I'm just looking at the board is probably Terry McLaurin in the third round with Brody, another guy who went to a small school in Ohio, I think. Uh, I want to be that guy, but in my other league, I made sure to draft uh, Mr. Scary Terry. I think he's going to have a big year. I'm, you know, I really hope it all works out for Brody, but I think McLaurin in the third round has upside. And we like that word, upside, target share, efficiency, all of the buzzwords that you hear. I think he has an opportunity to be a very good fantasy football player this year. Sam, um, same question to you. Who, who has the best value here? Well, we had some interesting uh, finagling in the bottom three rounds of the draft. Our commissioner picking J.K. Dobbins. You're not looking at value there this year with a torn ACL for him, but maybe next year as a keeper. And then he really just started this trend of potential keepers. But I like what Pappas did in the 14th round with Justin Jackson. You know, he's a... He's a guy that can make some noise, especially if that hammy for Eckler doesn't hold up. That's a guy that's that's going to get you starting starting running back money in the 14th round. He also took Daryl Williams in the 12th. If Edwards Hilaire goes down, which I see as a very real possibility, then Pappas is, yeah. Pappas is chilling. I know how Pappas likes to get freaky in the bedroom, and so no surprise he went with the handcuff strategy. Um, you got to get... You got to get the backups to the bell cows. Be the bees, okay? BDSM. I don't know how to apply that. But, <laughs> you know, that's a strategy I tried to employ for years. Like, oh, Dalvin Cook's backup. Stash him on the roster every week. Projected 2.7. But it's like, whoa, well, if, you know, so-and-so gets hurt, it never works um, until I don't do it. So I'm, I'm happy to see Pappas... Injury luck his way into probably a great finish and, and having, you know, three or four starting caliber running backs um, in the middle of the season. But, yeah, the the, the reverse handcuff 
hand, handcuff someone else's strategy. Um, Pabis clearly went for it and, um, you know, depth, you suffer with depth, but, you know, great upside. I mean, we're, we're giving the, the horn dog Pappas a, a little bit too much of a rub in here, but we have to address the fact that Michael Thomas went in the 10th round mm. also to Pappas, the reigning champ. So hopefully this is a little bit of a re- reverse jinx here, Yeah, he's which got is a tough division. trademarked by me. Got but. a tough division. So, you know, if he can get through the first six, whatever weeks, you know, even par or better above 500, you know, adding a guy like Michael Thomas and obviously, a, you know, could, could pan out. Um, you know, his quarterback may throw more touchdowns to the defense than to Michael Thomas this year with Jameis. Also a possibility, but, um, you know, Hopefully never, never been a big fan of drafting the injured guys because never know what's going to happen. What was the biggest head scratcher? There were there were quite a few, and I think I'm uh, I'm guilty of that as well. Look, Slats, we love you, man. Hey, can't say it enough, man. Congrats on getting married. You know, thanks for inviting us. Thanks for finally finding Nevin, his woman. But I just, I can't, there's something about Slats' draft strategy, the perennial, quote unquote, fill out my roster, end quote, guy. And, uh, you know, once he has his two starting running backs, two wide receivers and his tight end and his quarterback, the first thing that Slats is going to look for is to round out that team with a defense and a kicker. And in, in the ninth round to pick the, the Rams, do, yes, they should be pretty good. Um, you know, seems like a seems like a big reach when you consider, te- you know, players like Jamal Williams, Robert Tanyan, and Tyler Higby went there. You're just passing up on on some significant value. So for me, the head scratcher with Slats was taking the Rams D ninth overall, and then two rounds later, t- taking a kicker is just that that's just wild. But uh, Sam, I'll, I'll shut up and, and see what your Slats head scratcher was because I'm sure there were many. No, that's it. That's literally it. <laughs> Kid picks a defense yeah. in the first 10 rounds, and then two rounds later picks a kicker. He's got the best. He's got the best of both. Yeah. But I mean, special, he's crazy. It's a special teams league. We all know that. So. And then you got Nevin following suit yeah. when when it comes around to him. He did make a pick after Slats, and then it comes back, and he picks a second defense in the 10th round. Nevin Clay, one-time winner of this league. Would you like to defend yourself on that one? Well, um, I think I was at that point. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. It really means a lot to be out here. You know, I'm usually back You're welcome. in the in the back room here, crunching the numbers, doing the research to help you guys uh, get the information you need. But you know, to be out on the floor with you means a lot. So, uh, to your question, um, did I get some defense paranoia and jump on a defense? No, not the first time you jumped on a D. <laughs> <laughs> so if i i think what happened was we we're just about done with the buffalo chicken pizza and i didn't want to spend too much time on my pick um concerned that the last piece might go um so i grabbed the defense and I, you know i don't regret my decision but that's what i got very, very safe pick with the steelers d it's the buffalo chicken pizza you heard it here first yeah. Well, I'm next, so I won't talk about myself, Pat. What's, uh, I, what's my biggest I, head scratcher? I was hoping that you would that you would you know open the kimono and and talk about uh, your head scratcher. I mean, for me, it, it it jumps off the page, and I hope everyone listening has has the screenshot of the draft board handy. If not, press that pause button. Uh, make sure to like and subscribe. Um, so, if you have your draft board, you'll notice that in the eighth round, well, actually, after the the the, the first write in was Antonio Brown. That that's a head scratcher in itself why the draft board company didn't have it. But to take a write-in candidate in the eighth round in in something called a Marquez Callaway, that just that that jumps out at me. Um, you know, obviously we just talked about Michael Thomas coming back. Um, you know, we don't know when he'll come back. I think what PUP is sixth sixth week. Uh, unproven commodity. You literally had to write him in. Um, so that that's the first one that jumps out at me. But you did kind of redeem yourself with you know, perennial all-stars like Christian Kirk, Samaje P. Ryan, <laughs> and, uh, and, oh, and former Super Bowl MVP who got the truck, James White. So you, you did redeem yourself. It could be a league winner, Marcus Callaway, but uh, just it, it just jumps off the page at me just to see a write-in uh, with your glorious 
handwriting. I'm not sure if that is Comic Sans or, or Ariel <laughs> that you wrote that in, but it's uh, clearly distinct. Yeah, shout out to the commissioner for drafting Tony B and thus writing Tony B and also writing the other names because definitely outshines my chicken scratch calligraphy. But uh, yeah, I could have waited on Marquez Callaway. I tried not to read into the hype on most guys, but this was one that I said, you know what? Boney well, is being I, very annoying, and I would like to make a pick, and I'm going to make him wait a little longer by writing it in. I think the funniest part of this was, so the draft board's coming back around, and you have slats next to pick, <laughs> and then you're up, and you write in Marquez Callaway, and you said, oh, I had to make sure no one else got him. Like, like slats would have picked a write-in candidate. Well, one of his picks was the Rams D. And then it came back to you and you got Jamal Williams. Like, oh, I wanted Jamal Williams, but I wanted to make sure no one stole Marquez Callaway. As for Mikey Brahms' head scratchers, this one. <laughs> <laughs> this one came I, in the 14th. I, I won't be able to keep myself from laughing, so I think you need to, you need to <laughs> talk about the Irv Smith situation. Well, I do need to get your perspective, though, because you shared it with me that you were watching Mike make his pick. Yep. I was not paying attention. I was worried about Samaji P. Ryan next and not drafting a deer kicker still. But then I saw Irv Smith Jr. slapped on the board, and I knew he tore his meniscus or something, <laughs> bro. <laughs> and I don't think he's going to play this year. Mike's immediate reaction was, oh, the one guy I didn't research. But I think you had a different perspective and, and a division rival. I, you know, I, division mate up on the clock. I see him reach for the red sheet for the tight ends. And I see him picking off the Irv Smith label. And I just think, God, please, someone who is informed on Irv Smith's current injury situation, please do not say anything. Waited until the pick was on the board. And I calmly and politely told my division mate, hey, you know Irv Smith is out for the year, right? And Mike's reaction, it was gold. He says, in addition to, uh, I didn't research him. He says, nah, I think he's only out for the first week. <laughs> Mike, let me know how that's going for you. And happy to be playing in your division. That's a tough one. He do, he did have Robert Tanyan before that, so we have to give him a slight yeah, slight break. Yeah, he got he, his starter. starting tight end, yeah. Now, we'll get to tight ends in a few moments, but as you look at Brody Green's draft strategy, the first one that I notice is Matt Gay. <laughs> In the 16th, <laughs> but only because he has since been dropped and found on waivers. Um, not a lot of head scratches in Brody's. Yeah, and you know the 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 small school in Ohio theme continued with Justin Fields. Um, you know, obviously could you know could take over from. Wow, great great segue from the Red <laughs> Rifle this season. Right, my Brahms. <laughs> drafting a Republican in the 12th round, uh, a, a certified unvaccinated player. Um, I know Jeff Green's side of the family will be very happy with that pick. Um, I, you know, I don't know how Thanksgiving is going to go when Brody has to tell Susan's side of the family that, uh, you know, he, he picked Cole Beasley, uh, you know, right wing Alex Jones conspiracy theorist, but um, yeah, two gay and, and Beasley two two great uh, for comical reasons, but questionable picks. And the draft board just fell again. So now we're on the man who spells his own name one way, but many spell his others, his, other, his name other ways. And before I get myself all tongue tied, I'll just ask you, Sam, anything, st any, any of the many picks Alan made that were head scratcher stand out to you as even worse than the prior ones? Well, mind you, at about the seventh hour of our, our draft, that'd be about seventh, eighth round of this draft, Alan, who, as well as Eric Bermudez, was on the phone for this, one of just two members not present in the Baldwin Lounge war room, uh, was calling in and I saw him disappear. I didn't know it was up. I thought maybe he was taking a shit or something because Alan, Alan does that and it definitely takes a while with Alan. But then I heard bowl, please. Brown rice, please. <laughs> <laughs> I 
This man was at Chipotle in the middle of this draft, and I think actually survived pretty well. I'm not sure who Brian Edwards is, though, in the 13th. I'm seeing Vegas receiver, and that's just something I would not want on my team. But no. going to Chipotle mid-draft, second draft of the day for Alan Algin back-to-back is uh, just a power move. Yeah, you know, in the, the new the new normal, um, which was a term I came up with that we're living in, you know, there's a lot of, you know, please mute your mic moments. And I think ordering a bowl in brown rice in the middle of a, of a draft when, you know, 11 other competitors are trying to concentrate. That was uh, a little out of bounds. And like I said earlier, I know Alan had a big auction draft. Um, just kind of shows just how little he really cares about this league. I think this this league's taken second fiddle to Alan's, um, you know, exploding jacket business and uh, just the, you know, the media and advertising out there. You know, I, I think he'd rather, you know, drive around his sports car than, than you know, do his research or, or kind of be present for a draft. So it just, it kind of says a lot about, you know, where Alan is and, um, you know, and that is literally LA. And I think that's a great way to describe Alan is L. Allen. I'm looking at Doug now, sixth overall pick, takes Saquon, solid. I didn't like the Josh Jacobs pick. Third round over James Robinson. Could add, I guess, DeAndre Swift, Daryl Henderson. Not a lot of big head scratchers from Doug. The mailman, who's trying to play it off as if he's not mailing it in. Yeah, he took a lot of players that you're like, oh, he's like not good. But then you look at, like, I mean, they're all NFL players. But you look at where he took them, you're like, okay, that's not too bad, like, Josh Jacobs, I think everyone's like, yeah, he's not going to be like as great as he was a couple of years ago or as he was drafted a couple of years ago. But in the third round, I guess you could do could do worse, right? I mean, he could have taken James Robinson, um, you know, Leonard Fournette. Only fitting that yeah. Leonard Fournette, as we're going through Doug's, gets the first carry of 2021 in number seven. Yeah, New Unis, as we're watching. Jesus and the Buccaneers. Yeah, he took it for five yards. That's 5.0 YPC, uh, which means yards per carry. Um, so that's very efficient. Football season's fucking here. Let's yeah. go. Nevin! Kyle Pitts in the fifth. Good value there. Maybe slipped a little bit. Three rounds later, Noah Fant. Another tight end. You got You going to start two tight ends in the flex? Yeah, walk us through, walk us through that decision to immediately says trade bait already on the trade block. Yeah, have you tell us? Have you gotten any offers for, um, you know, your your plethora of of tight ends that you have, uh, this far that you know you 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 took in the the fifth and eighth round? I mean, uh, I have to imagine your phone has. In addition to Latifa, I have to imagine your phone has just been ringing off the hook, uh, with offers from some of the the tight end needy teams, uh, in this league, like. None of them. <laughs> well, you know, Pat, when uh, when you're shopping out, the art of the deal uh, taught me a lot about my negotiation strategy. And uh, with a guy like Noah Font, I mean, you know, there's there's desire to have him on um, everyone's individual teams. It's out there for sure. Uh, the buzz is real. I've gotten a lot of almost texts and a lot of people almost calling in the middle of the night, leaving voicemails. Um, so far, nothing concrete, but I, I mean, we maintain hope that the, the need is there. I mean, the alternative is you pick one of these guys. I mean, I look at the eighth round when uh, uh, Noah fell to me, and I don't see anyone else I'd prefer to have on my roster than uh, – a bench warmer like Noah, you know. Yeah. So would would it would it be safe to say that no one wants a Fanta? <laughs> it it would. It's a little too. It's a little too bubbly of a comment. I think. Um, you know, I'm going to squeeze the the Fanta for all it's worth, <laughs> and hopefully, uh, you know, there'll be someone else willing to partake in. Uh, what he has to offer. Oh, speaking of Fanta and Sunkist, let's move to the other LA man, Alex Pappas. And that in the biz is called a segue as Amari Cooper <laughs> catches a pass, and that's a drive from Castellanos in the left, and it'll be a 5 nothing <laughs> ball game. 
uh, yeah, the man who is trying to make his way into the film industry in LA, um, you know, a lot of, as we talked about earlier, a lot of reverse handcuffs, but Sam, anything stand out from Pappas's draft that you're just saying, this is, this is just awful. Not really. And we've given him a lot of compliments here. Uh, but you look at where we just were in the draft board, eighth round coming back. I mean, Pappas could have had Noah Fant as his tight end. Instead, he picks Jonu Smith in the 11th, uh-huh. who I think he's going to wheel out week one. Go Pats. We're all Pats fans here. We're on the same team. Want that guy to do well. But uh, two tight ends set. You know, I don't know. That's That's a little head scratcher. He might end up starting Gerald Everett, who he took in the 16th. Yeah, and, and Washington football team is actually on this draft board, which we we purchased the set, and it actually says football team. Yeah, if if I could fault him for anything, it was kind of Kenny Galladay with the whole you know, Saquon um, you know documentary thing. Um, yeah, he's Kenny Galladay. Yeah, he he's probably great. boys with Kenny. Yeah, what was this like two years ago? Kenny's cheating on Neither Pappas. Yeah, so the only thing I can really fault him for is that. Who's next? You know, Boney, we've talked about the Gaskin keeper. It's just random. He must have had a better team than that, but he likes the value. Eckler could really, really turn out to bite him, and then Gibson is is his RB1, yeah, which then, is just gross. And then you know, first overall pick before the first pick in the second round, Sony Michelle of a couple of years ago. You really want that guy starting for your team? With my luck, Sony Michelle, I think my prior keeper, he'll probably be great this year with an inspiring manager like Ryan, an annoying manager like Ryan, a skinny manager like Ryan, um, a Zen addict like Ryan. Maybe he'll get his team to. But Pat, now we get to the juiciest of the juicy. Oh. Eric Bermudez, the seaman. Kelsey first overall. Tyreek was his keeper. Then he gets Chris Godwin. You're catching a lot of balls in this half PPR. But he waited to draft a running back until the fourth round when pretty much everyone else in the league already had two. Who was that running back? Gus Bus. Who just shredded his ACL, allegedly. News just came out today. But uh, Le'Veon Bell and Tyson Williams have already been picked up in this league. So Bermudez is hurting at the running back position yeah and he really leaned into the whole curse thing right he, he waited three rounds or four rounds until he drafted his running back and you know i think we pr- probably need to get ryan bonifant on here um you know who who knows a lot about curses and hexes um and can try to kind of break down where it went wrong what did what did eric bermudez do in his life that you know made him deserve his first running back pick every year <laughs> to get injured. I mean, now you see he's floating out things like, you know, maybe I won't play in the league and you just don't want to see injuries ever, um, you know, become a factor in that. But sitting to my left is someone who has a lot of experience with curses, someone who comes from Albania and who knows a lot about a certain demon called a Striga. And, Alex, can you can you kind of t- tell us about the Striga and what potential impact that the Striga may have had on Eric Ramirez and, and how does he? Um, let me let me just stop you right there. Let me just stop you. Let me let me just stop you right there because if you say it three times in a row, she appears, and you don't want that to happen. So now, did 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 Eric? Can you confirm? Did Eric say it three times? Is that what happened? I, I, rumors say yes, but honestly, it's it's. It's up to anyone, really. No one, no one understands how the Striga works. Um, my great great grandmother, bless her soul, she once told me a story about the Striga, but she f- was one such for for another day. She met one. She was almost killed. Anyways, um, overall, I think you got to feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Trade bait. I mean, he's gonna have to deal Hill or Godwin probably at some point. And I, I'll read you an excerpt here. We like to do recaps here. In this league, this is from Algin, who really jumped the gun and wanted a pre-draft rankings. ESPN has a lot of rankings now. Kamish, I believe, has a 4% chance to win the league. That's low. Allen had Eric Bermudez reverse the curse at 6th 
before this Gus Edwards injury. He said, if Rojo is the true starter, this team is scary. I think that's scary bad. And I think Rojo is currently the starter. We haven't seen him touch the ball tonight. RB depth should improve as the season goes on. <laughs> Checks out so far. Javante's role, that's Javante Williams. Bermuda's the second running back pick in the fifth round. Denver running back, rookie. Javante's role increases, so Eric's season really comes down to a healthy Mahomes thrown to Kelsey and Tyreek. Not drafting a stud running back means he can't have a stud running back suffer a devastating early season ACL tear. Then Gus Edwards happens. Are you calling Allen the devil? The skinny devil? The skinniest of skinny devils. Well, sounds like the slender man struck on Eric Bermudez's team. And um, I just, you never want to see a division mate go down or pick an injured player or pick a player who then gets injured. But I'm just saying, you know, knock on wood, say Striga twice, but not three times. Strig. The injury luck, you know, maybe it's regression to the mean here. Maybe there's a path. Uh, towards fantasy excellency in my division. All right, two more here. We got to go to Kamish. I'll take the lead on this one. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, we talked about in the 14th. Upset a lot of people in this league. As an immediate keeper. You draft him, throw him on the IR, but you had to you had to pick, and you are notorious, Alexander, for not picking a kicker in the draft. So instead you take Blake Jarwin. You put J.K. Dobbins on IR. I was watching. You pick up Le'Veon Bell, who now looks to be the starter in Baltimore. And then what did you do with that 16th overall pick, Blake Jarwin? Where is he now? Listen, it's a tough world out there, and Blake knows how I feel about him, so it doesn't really matter. Bottom line is Arby's run the world. Girls will run the world? No, Arby's run the world. Arby is a girl. And she's lovely. As we move on to what I was trying to say, you need RBs on the team to win. So I picked up my boy T.Y. on the Jets. He might play, might not play, who knows. And my 4% chance to make the playoffs is due to the fact that I didn't draft a kicker. want to get that out there. Okay, but in your in your opinion, Q, I think this is a really important topic that you know I think at least eight other league members are thinking right now is, does... Drafting a player who's up for the season, does that go against the spirit of the league? And as the commissioner, do you feel an obligation to, you know, in, enforce, a, you know, a, a competitive environment that, you know, doesn't uh, lend itself to people trying to subvert the rules for their own gain? Yeah, I appreciate that question. Really good question, Patrick. Really good question. And this is what we call in the business deflecting. So just just take notes. Great, great question. Terrible comment after the question. So the fact of the matter is trendsetters are always shut down. You know, the Wright brothers, they wanted to fly. People just shut them down. What I think I did here was start a trend for years in the future. And like my good friend Bill Belichick says, uh, hey, Bill, you know, you got to know the rules, enforce the rules, but also know where the rules start and stop. Okay. Well said. And yeah, you said the Wright brothers, you know, Thomas Edison, everyone, no one wanted to have light bulbs either. Um, so, you know, great, just great parallel. And those types of things that you get on this podcast, uh, you know, make sure to like and subscribe. And, and should we thank our, our sponsors at this point, uh, Sam, or maybe we wait till the end? Who are they? Uh, we're sponsored by this small uh, upcoming cologne company called Fulton and Roark. Um, they make these uh, colognes that you can rub on your wrists and they're actually edible, too. They taste great. Uh, which I've always liked about them. Make your um, breath smell great. Obviously sponsored by Heat Rises Productions, a small film company based out of Lola's apartment in Brooklyn. Uh, great, um, great film company. They do all of our, our visual media, so really excited uh, to be partnering with them. Other places we have to thank uh, Harbor of STD for all of our investment needs and our private equity uh, needs for traditional banking, Bank of America, and then, uh, obviously, a league like this needs to run on microchips. Um, we don't actually, they don't actually make microchips, but they make the machines that make microchips. So also, I want to shout out that we're sponsored by uh, Applied Materials. Um, 
And of Although course, they're soon to be losing a very important staff member to graduate school and, and you know, the company share price should take a hit. We're breaking news here on this podcast. And of course, last but not least, our title sponsor, Alex's Roast Beef and Seafood. Oh, yeah. 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 Located in lovely Topsfield, Massachusetts. Great buff chick calzone. Wouldn't recommend the seafood. And then I guess that was a great deflecting job. I tried my hardest. Indeed. Uh, I opened myself up. Last. For the but criticism. Not least. You know, I'll let Q and, and Sam I'll let you guys get into it. Yes, I drafted too many Bengals. Um way too many Bengals. <laughs> yes, I don't have a great receiver and I have a washed up Julio Jones, but uh you know anything else you want to say about it, this is the time. Because you will not get to shit talk me on any other day but this day. One bangle, two bangle, three bangle, former bangle, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, you were kind of handcuffed with Julio. Julio in the third round just feels wrong to me this year. Your other options were Tyler Lockett, Adam Thielen, Deontay Johnson. You went Julio and T. Higgins back-to-back. Jamar Chase is taking the headlines right now, and it's, it's not looking good. You forget that he – nice catch by Tony B. Right in. You forget that he sat out a year because of COVID and now looks to have the yips. But I think that will actually be okay for you, Pat. I'm most worried about the potential of you starting Ryan Fitzpatrick by week three. Yeah, the um, the ball has white stripes in college and doesn't in the NFL. And had I known that it had Jamar Chase known that, I, I wouldn't have drafted him. Alex, any thoughts? Uh, obviously, I was on the corner, and uh, you know you would pick, and then I'd get two picks. Uh, any instances where I stole your pick, or were you playing next level chess, and uh, and did I just draft all the wrong guys in your spot? Yeah, really great question, Patrick. Really great question. I'd say you know, as they say in the biz, checkmate. I think after the Najee pick by me right before you, you were a bit rattled. And it really shows in your rounds three through six, I'd say. And so, yeah, the wide receivers could do some work, but I have to agree with my man Sam here. Um, also, shout out Chuba in the 14th. I don't know why that, that trade or that pick just makes a little sense. But Chubba hubba. Chubba hubba. Well, I just sold my car and I canceled my insurance, but in fantasy football, my Ferrari, a.k.a. Christian McCaffrey, needed to insure him. Geico wouldn't insure him, so I had to pick up Chubba Hubba. Well, we talked about a lot here on this draft podcast. We mentioned Alan Ording Chipotle. That was actually the second best moment of the night because here in this league, we have some great punishments for the loser. And Pat, not only did you just get ripped on by the commish and co-commish, but you were wearing a dress all while drafting. Not the first person to do that because that is a yearly rule. Uh, So... It was fun. You you purchased it. I believe it was a small and you looked dashing. Yeah, no. So what I what I found out was the first dress I ordered, it looked really good. It looked cute. Um I ordered a women's XL and what I found out was a women's extra large is actually a man's small. Um a lot of people don't know this, but there's biological differences between men and women apparently. And that dress uh, didn't fit. So I went with a double XL from Target. I figured the clientele at Target, an XL there goes a lot longer than a, you know, a boutique uh, XL. So, you know, one thing I'd say about a dress, um, they're very hot. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting that. Really not a lot of room for you to kind of, uh, you know, kind of pick up your shirt and fan your your stomach and midsection out uh, when it's all one continuous um, piece of garment. It, it gets very hot. It was embarrassing. I hope everyone got their pictures in because I will not be wearing that again. And I hope next draft I'll be wearing a ring. And even though we don't make rings, I'll be holding a, a trophy likely. So that's all I have to say. We do have a selection of punishments in this great league. You will be making that selection. Usually it comes around Thanksgiving time from for the next year, from the previous year's loser. So you're not done with your punishments quite yet. But the saying, if you're not first, you're last, could not be less true in this fantasy league. Sure, you can win the league. You can also win money in the second and third positions in this league. But as long as you are not last, you will not be making a fool of yourself 
and potentially hemorrhaging some more funds or embarrassments. So, Pat, I look forward to your other punishment. We'll see who's uh, the big loser this year, but we got a lot of podcasts coming up before then. Pat and I will take you through it. We'll probably have a psychologist on here at some point because Lord knows fantasy football makes you grow some gray hairs, as Eric Bermudez is quickly learning, and I have learned over the years. Well, we got football on as we speak. Tom Brady, the GOAT, taking on the fake America's team. He's already thrown one to Godwin, so Bermuda's spirits should be up as we speak. But looking forward to the first Scott Hansen nipple-rubbing occasion of the season this Sunday and the annual tradition, Patrick, when the ESPN Fantasy app inevitably crashes 20 minutes before kickoff. I cannot wait for that, and I cannot wait for all the league members here to join us on this podcast. We'll be taping every Monday. Um, and if you'd like to join the insert fantasy football podcast name here, podcast, just give us a call and we'll happy to, be happy to feature you in one of the upcoming, uh, upcoming podcasts.